0: We're studying uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, The importance of the resurrection is where we are this week. I think uh, last time we were together uh, I talked about it, but uh, the, the importance of the resurrection and how baptism connects to it, I believe is what we discussed. We didn't really get into the text, so we'll do that today. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, and of course, this was the preaching of the apostles, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If that's what we teach, why are you saying there is no resurrection? Think about it. If there is no resurrection of the dead, the consequence of that would be Christ is not risen. Then where's your hope? What do you hope in? Why are you a Christian? It doesn't make any sense. The resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of what will be the general resurrection. Uh, It commenced when the Lord was resurrected from the dead, and maybe some others. I don't know about that. But uh, as far as the general resurrection is concerned, it concludes. In the last day of time, John 5 25, uh, Jesus is speaking, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. The time is coming and the time is right now. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Who are the dead? That's those who do not know God. They're living dead. He's not talking about the ones in the ground. He's talking about those who are alienated from God. The word dead, remember, always remember, the word dead generally means separated. So when a person is separated from God, they are spiritually dead. And these are the people Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> the time is coming. And that time is right now as he spoke that uh, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God because the Son of God is preaching and those who hear will live. Now there's obviously more to hearing than just hearing the words that are spoken. Uh, the word here uh, conveys more and this is where sometimes in religion things get so messed up and they don't have to be uh, everybody knows that the word here doesn't mean just hearing the gospel uh, that there's great value potential value to hearing the gospel but it's it's not necessarily uh, gonna result in good things uh, in Romans 2 13 Paul said it's not the hearers of the law who are just, made just, justified, uh, made right in the eyes of God, pardoned, forgiven. The word just conveys all that. It's not the hearers of the law that are gonna be justified. It's gonna be the doers of the law. These are the ones who are justified. We hear so much today in our modern world where it's all about hearing and believing, period. Uh, Doing is uh, non-consequential. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. It's whether or not you believe. Now, obviously, Paul the Apostle did not uh, subscribe to that philosophy. In order for a person to be justified, they have to hear what the Lord has said, and they must act upon the things he has said. What makes acting so important? Why is it so important that a person acts on it? What must we do to be saved, they asked Peter and the apostles. And Peter responded, you must repent and be immersed in water for forgiveness of sins. They heard the gospel, but that didn't justify them. Why was doing what the apostles said of such importance? One thing about doing, and it's always going to be true, a person only does what the Lord has said to do because they believe. Faith is what motivates us to do. And that's why doing is so important. He doesn't mention faith, but it's obviously implied. You must do what the Lord wants you to do. And a person who has faith in God, they're going to do it. Now, sometimes we have a a degree of faith, but not enough faith to motivate us to do everything the Lord wants us to do. We do things we agree with. We do things that don't make us nervous. We do things that we're not afraid to do or we're not afraid of the consequence if we do. Depending on how much we trust God, that in itself is going to determine what we will or will not do. And this is what makes doing so important. By doing, I demonstrate my faith. You know, James said, show me your faith without works. Well, you can't do it. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, James is saying, you can tell by what I do that I believe. Well, obviously, if I don't do, it's due to a lack of faith. I'm not gonna say because I don't have any faith, because I may have uh, quite a bit of faith, actually. Just not enough faith to get me to do this particular thing. Therefore, doing becomes very important to me personally and you personally because when I know what the Lord wants me to do and if I choose not to do it, it's demonstrating to me that my faith isn't complete. I'm lacking something. There's a lot of things. When I was, uh, mostly when I was younger, uh, one of the things that I learned I was supposed to do was uh, speaking to other people about the Christ. Uh, And I didn't want to. well, for one thing, I didn't know much. Uh, so probably better, I didn't talk much. But uh, sometimes I was ashamed to. I can admit it now, I wouldn't admit it back in, but I can admit it now. Sometimes I, I didn't want to talk about the Lord because I felt kinda queasy about doing it in front of certain people. Uh, a lot of people had known me for a very long time and uh, i I didn't want to talk about the Lord to them' cause, you know they're going probably going to laugh at me and uh make fun of me, call me hypocrite or whatever, and I didn't want to go through all that and then when I got a little more serious uh uh Bill is the cause of it he uh he taught me about uh going into a person's house and talking to him about Jesus man, I didn't want to do that. But the way he presented it is like, you know, some people, you've got to do it. And you can tell if you've got to do it. Back then, we were carrying projectors into people's houses and showing Jules Miller f- uh, film strip. And uh, I didn't want to do it. So I didn't do it for a while. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but my unwillingness to do it was a revelation of my lack of faith. I didn't know that then, I know it now. If I had had more faith, I would have done it. But I just didn't have that much faith. So uh, it took me a while, and then finally uh, I decided, and uh, I found uh, Ethel Mae Mayberry. Uh, she belonged to a Domination, I don't know what. But uh, I thought, she's really nice. So I I decided to start with her. And she was the first person I ever tried to teach, uh, one-on-one. But it took me a while to to do it. And uh, it was because my faith wasn't as strong as it would become. And sometimes that's what we go through. You know, all of us, when it comes to faith, faith is relative. None of us have complete faith, none of us. Uh, we all have to grow in faith but depending on where we are in our uh, Christian relationship our relationship with Christ um, along the way we see times that teach us that our faith is lacking a bit and that makes it possible for me to strengthen or shore up my faith in that particular area And I found the best thing to do is just go ahead and do it. Uh, Just suck it up and act like a man and do it. And uh, after I would do it, uh, I would feel a little better about myself. Uh, But the main thing was I was in a position where I was more likely to do it again. And I did. Uh, And again and again and again. And as I did, my faith became stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, I know what I'm supposed to do and experience. Put the two together. Faith blossoms. You've got to have both. And that's that's what we're being told by Paul. It's not the hearer that is made justified in the sight of God. It's the doer. And sometimes it is so hard to do, but I'll do it anyway. I, if I have to make a fool out of myself, I'll make a fool out of myself. Ever since I've been a Christian, I've been made fun of. Uh, today, people, you know, in education institutions, they talk about people like me who are idiots. You know, we believe in foolishness. Uh, that doesn't bother me anymore. It's more of a badge of honor than anything. But there was a time when it bothered me. Uh, But faith overcomes all that. So uh, a a statement like this is not something we want to take lightly, because uh, the education we're receiving from Paul right here is very important. It's not the hearer of the law. That's what you're doing now, you're hearing. Well, after you get done hearing, you're supposed to go out them doors and do if whatever we're teaching about. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that everybody's qualified for everything. I don't believe we are. I don't believe everybody is uh, uh, equipped to go into a person's house, sit down, open the Bible, and teach them. I don't think everybody's equipped to do that. Uh, Some people are, some people are not. Some people uh, need to get ready. They need to learn to teach before they teach. I wasn't in trying to teach, and I was dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, any question I couldn't have answered. uh, I was uh, was a fish out of water, to tell you the truth. But that's why I picked somebody real nice, like Ethel May. I knew she wouldn't put me on the spot. So uh, I was very careful. to pick my first people out to make sure uh, I didn't get too embarrassed. Uh, it's very important. That's what Jesus is saying in John 5:25. Uh, the hour has come uh, when the dead, those who are separated from God, will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who uh, hear, who act upon what they've heard, believe and act upon what they've heard, they will live eternally. That's the meaning of it. Sometimes, uh, and I've heard preachers on the TV get this mixed up, John 5, uh, 25 and 26, and then you get into verse 28, and they teach it as all, as all one thing, and it's not. Uh, in verse 25 here, he's talking about the spiritually dead. They hear the gospel, and they come to life like the people did on Pentecost, What must we do? They heard the gospel. What must we do? They came to life. They believed what they heard. And then they acted upon it by repenting and being baptized. And uh, they are living eternally, spiritually at the time, eternally today, provided they remain faithful. Are there any questions over that? Okay, now having said that, Jesus said this in verse 28. Now, do do not marvel at this, at what? What he had just said about the dead hearing the voice of the Son of God and living. Do not marvel at that because there's something bigger than that coming. What is that, Lord? The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves shall hear his voice and come forth. Now, here uh, he's speaking, of course, about the deceased. Those who are in the dead you're talking about billions and billions and billions of people No one has a clue what the number might be (coughs) There have been so many people since the beginning of time who have died and been buried or who have died and have uh, dissipated in one way or the other Uh, The hour is coming the hour It's a relatively short period of time Otherwise, he would have said the day, the time, the week, the month, the hour is coming in which all, that's everybody, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will come forth from the graves. Not the uh, old body, but there's going to be a a new body, a, a spiritual body. a a body that uh, will never be destroyed. Uh, You and I, we live in a body now, uh, we're spirit beings living in a body of flesh, but uh, in the resurrection, we, the spiritual being, will re-enter a spiritual body which will endure forever uh, without end. Uh, Being an immortal body Now he's talking about the general resurrection Okay, what we refer to as the general resurrection. This is what Bible scholars and preachers call it Uh, Distinguishing between this and any other resurrection Lazarus was resurrected from the grave. Well, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a different resurrection Lazarus was resurrected in his old body of flesh. He's talking about a resurrection when people are raised in a new body. Oh, man, that'll be good. A body that uh, doesn't get arthritic, (laughs) doesn't have heart attacks, just lives forever. And they'll come forth. Those who have done good in life, they'll come forth to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil or anything other than what God has willed, that's considered evil because they rejected the divine will. God is the creator. He put us here for a reason. And most people, uh, as we know, are going to disregard His reason because they prefer to live life on their own terms. And whatever that may be, it's called evil, okay? It's not just murderers and rapists and things like that. Those who have done evil will come forth to the resurrection of condemnation. And this is where the immortal body becomes uh, very painful because those who are condemned in the judgment uh, will forever be condemned. They live in a body that will never be destroyed. It'll suffer pain, anguish, agony. The person dwelling in the body will suffer regret. I've thought about one of the worst things that would bother me, I know, is thinking back on all the opportunities I had to change my ways, and I thumbed my nose at it. That would bother me the most. Uh, I knew it, I would know it was my fault. Okay, a lot of people tried to talk to me, a lot of people tried to help me. <coughs> the Lord died for me, and knowing all that, I still thumbed my nose at it and would not do it. And I, I got to live with that knowledge forever. So, while there is torment beyond our comprehension, I think the worst torment is going to be inside the mind, uh, the regrets. That I, I I don't do guilt very well. It always makes me crazy. I could imagine that guilt. Anyway, uh, when the Lord died, uh, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Now the first part, the veil of the temple was torn in two and it's significant from top to bottom. Uh, If you were going to tear uh, a curtain, you would grab it at the bottom and tear it and it would go up. In this case, uh, it started tearing at the top and came down down to the bottom. There's nobody up there, you know. How'd this thing tear, and there were people in there. This was the hour of prayer. The priests were in there, and they would have seen everything that happened. Uh, they would have been witnesses to this veil tearing. Now, the veil is it. It tearing is very significant. Uh, you recall in Matthew 23, Jesus told the Jews, "You know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem." how often I tried to gather you together, but you would not, you would not l- listen to me. You always did your own thing. Uh, and then he, he, he summarized, behold, your house is left to you desolate. Uh, it was the house of God, the temple. It was always called the house of God. It was never called the house of the people. It was God's house, God dwelt there. He lived in the most holy place within the temple, God's house. But on this occasion, Jesus said, it's your house. It belongs to you Jews, to do it as you choose to do. Why? Because it is presently desolate. The word desolate means forsaken. God has forsaken the temple. He's left the temple. He's left the Jewish people. And now it's your house. And to demonstrate that God was gone from heaven to earth. The curtain was torn. And look, God isn't there anymore. Uh, people today, religious people it's like uh, in Israel uh, today uh, people constantly talking about we have to help Israel because they're God's people and they quote all kinds of scriptures from the Old Testament that we must protect God's people they, they, they couldn't be further from the truth uh, they are not God's people God forsook them. Jesus said, God isn't there. The curtain was torn and God wasn't there. And then 40 years later, General Jesus brought the Roman legions into Judea, into Jerusalem, and they leveled the city. Uh, Most people were killed during the siege. And when they had taken the living captive that they wanted, about 50,000 according to Josephus, Uh, they leveled all the buildings. And then they took turning plows and they turned the earth where the temple sat. It was, according to Josephus again, it was as if it had never been inhabited. That occurred in 70 AD. Jesus said, your house, the house of you Jews is now empty. God's gone, and 40 years later, everything was destroyed. Today, people are saying, we must help Israel because they are the people of God. That is not true. I think it's a, this is my personal belief that it's in the best interest of the United States to help Israel because it gives us a, a footing over there. That's me, okay, but not because the Lord would have us to do that. I do not believe that, not one whit. And I've heard all kinds of people say that, uh, getting on TV, governors, senators, uh, a lot of people saying that, but it's not true. If we want to help them, which I do, uh, fine. But don't weigh it off on the Lord. It's not, this is the proof that that's not the case. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit in a sermon, and when I do, you'll know it, I won't have to explain it too much. So that might save me a couple minutes. Anyway, what I really wanna see here, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. How many of the dead were raised from the dead? I don't know, it just says many. Many bodies. Not many people, but many bodies. You'd have to take the spirit, and it would have to re-enter the body. The $64,000 question is, was this a body of flesh, or was it an immortal body? And no one can answer that question. Some people say they can, they can't whatever they say, whether it was a body of flesh or an immortal body, they can't prove it. It's just not provable. This is a question we gotta live with until we get to paradise. And then we can ask (laughs) who was raised from the dead that day. Uh, Jesus was raised from the dead. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, and that's significant after he was raised from the dead, many others were raised from the dead. Never to die again, or like Lazarus, to have to go through death one more time. I don't know. Everybody's got an opinion, but it doesn't matter. No one knows. Okay? Uh, but at any rate, after Jesus was raised from the dead, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and they appeared to many. Apparently, I would think, and this is only my guess, these people may have been known by people who were in the city of Jerusalem, okay? They, they have been dead for however long But these particular people were raised from the dead Because they could go into the city and maybe talk to a, a mom or daddy a son or a daughter Friends and neighbors The point is there would be a proof that a resurrection had taken place Jesus was raised from the dead and every one of these people raised from the dead would have been proof that a resurrection had occurred. Uh, so that's the reason why they were raised from the dead, to witness to Jesus' resurrection. But, uh, and I really wish we knew the answer to the question, whether they were immortal bodies or flesh bodies. But there's no, I've looked, there's no answer that I've ever found in You look in commentaries, and you'll find answers, but you know how commentaries are. They're all the time guessing at things that they don't know the answer to, and you have to be very careful. But there was a a resurrection, uh, which was important. Uh, Back to the text. If Christ is not risen, the consequence of that, our preaching is empty. Your Your faith is also empty. all for nothing I'm standing up here talking about something I know nothing about and you believe something you know nothing about so you're dumb as I am if Christ is not risen what in the world are we doing here yes and we are found false witnesses of God Paul and people like me and you were false witnesses were testifying that Jesus was raised from the dead We have testified of God that he raised him up whom in fact. He did not raise up if Jesus isn't raised from the dead We're all lying If in fact the dead Do not rise But we believe the dead did rise If the dead do not rise The logical conclusion Christ is not risen And if Christ is not risen your faith is futile. It's vain you are still in your sins. We've never been forgiven. The only reason we could have been forgiven, would have been forgiven, is if Christ did, in fact, rise from the dead. And if he did not, we're still in sin. What are we doing here? We should be out fishing, or hunting, or sleeping, or whatever it is you like to do, if Christ did not, in fact, rise from the dead. Also those who have fallen asleep in Christ they have perished We look forward to the day. We will be reunited No such days coming if Christ did not rise from the dead Then no one else is going to either If in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men the most pitiable I think we are of all men the biggest fools too. Uh, what a foolish foolish thing to do spend your life living out a lie I can't even stand the thought of that but that's not why I believe I believe because I've seen evidence the resurrection plan but now Christ is risen from the dead we know that to be the case the evidence is in And he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. The first of what was to come. This goes back to the Old Testament law. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. By man, Adam, came death. By man also, that would be Jesus of Nazareth, came the resurrection. For as in Adam, all die even so in Christ all shall be made alive and <clears throat> one man we all died one man we can all live it's 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 very deliberate in the planning but each one in his own order his own time and place Christ, who is the first fruits, that's why he had to come first. And after he was raised from the dead, then others could be raised from the dead. Why? He's the first fruits. He's the first to be resurrected. And at this point, I've got to give you my opinion. And please remember, it's just my opinion, it's worth about nothing. Uh, I think Christ was the first fruits. He was the first raised an immortal body. The first, but he was the first fruits. Did it mean the others who were raised also? Does that mean that they were raised an immortal body, just as he was? Is that the significance? Of him being raised first remember Lazarus had already been raised from the dead before Christ was raised from the dead but these people were raised after Christ was raised him being the first fruits now you can raise others who are in an immortal body food for thought but I can't prove it. i thought a lot about it, and I just don't have the confidence. If, if they were like, separate and mortal, does that mean that, that they had to be recognized to be able to go into the city and other cities and Yes. They would have to look just like they looked when they were living if that were the case. I believe that's the case. Okay, I want to be that. <laughs> well, it's not up to you. <laughs> you won't be in a broken down body anymore. <laughs> you, you won't look as old as Moses anymore. Oh, no, there's other ways. Other. Oh, yeah. 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 Through and through, the scriptures teach us that we will know one another in heaven. Yeah. Paul was talking to Thessalonians about jumping for joy. You are my crown and glory. Uh, meaning, when I see you in heaven, psh, you're my fruit. You know, you're why I lived. You're what I accomplished. And he had to know him to, to make such a statement. No, that yeah, oh boy, yeah. I asked you a question, just ponder it and see what you think. If we didn't recognize one another in heaven, would that hurt our understanding of heaven? Would, it, would heaven be the heaven I look forward to if everybody there is a stranger to me. And when, I, uh, when I go somewhere now, uh, and I go in a building, for example, first thing I do is look for people I know. And then when I find them, I go stand close to them. Uh, and when I'm in a place where I don't know anybody, uh, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm a wallflower by nature. I just stand still and shut up. I don't see much happiness in that case, and and that's just from a a logical point of view. Would heaven be heaven if we didn't know each other? But there are there is proof that we shall, a lot of proof that we shall. This is one of them. These people uh, went and uh, revealed themselves to others. You got to stop and think. Some of these people may have been dead fifty years. You know, did they go back looking like a fifty-year-old corpse? No. That'd be a shopper, it? Yeah, it would, and then too, you wouldn't recognize them. It's a skeleton. Uh, each one in his own order. Christ become first, a resurrected body that he re-entered, and afterward, those who are Christ that is coming. Uh, some people came forth. it wasn't at his coming. they came forth as witnesses, and we just don't know whether they were in the flesh or mortal bodies uh, the main the main body is is going to come on the last day. And that includes us, I hope. <laughs> Uh, the first fruits that that comes from Leviticus twenty three ten. If you want to study it, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. That was a, an offering of a promise of much much more uh, crops to come in. You you offer to the priest. There's much more that's going to come. Christ was the first fruit. He was the offering to God of the first, implying that many, many, many more are going to come. And that will be the day of the judgment. I will, I'll stop there. We'll commence uh, somewhere around verse 23. God willing. Next week.